0: You may be seated. The scripture lesson this morning uh, comes from Luke, chapter 9, verse 30, 51 through thir- uh, 62. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of, some of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then he went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me, But but he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home, Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Jesus is on a Missio day, which is Latin for a mission from God. And if Jake and Elwood Blues felt any felt the way that they were on a that they felt that they were on a crazy path, it's nothing compared to the one that Jesus and his disciples were on at this time. The Book of Luke can be broken into three sections: the first two chapters being the preamble and birth narrative, the next seven the start of Jesus' ministry, and the gathering of his disciples, and the last ten, all pointing. Jerusalem. This section of the book of Luke is the pivot point in Jesus's journey. About halfway through the book, Jesus's mission becomes clear, at least to those of us who know the end of the story. Those that were living living it did not realize the significance of the change until much later. At the beginning of today's passage, Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. He is determined to go to Jerusalem. In the verses not too far previous of these, we read about the transfiguration of Christ, and we witness him up on the mountaintop with Elijah and Moses, where the three of them discuss Jesus' coming departure. The time had come for Jesus to turn his face toward Jerusalem and all that awaited him there. This passage is an examine in what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It is a look into what it takes in mind, body, and soul. Everything from the Samaritan response, the reaction of James and John, and the three conversations that Jesus has with those who would follow him all point to the cost of following Jesus on this mission. In the first part of the pericope, Jesus sent out ahead of him a group to the Samaritans. There was a lot of animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans because of their difference in worship. The Samaritans were the descendants of the northern kingdom that had been destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., so they had some Jewish traditions within them. But, according to the Jewish line of thought, they went about these traditions wrong. They should have known better, and that's what made them so unpopular with the Jews. Although the Gentiles were often looked down upon, they were somewhat excusable because they had not been taught, but the Samaritans knew the Jewish laws, but did not follow them to the letter. This type of misunderstanding and ancient animosity toward each other is what led them not to receive Jesus. It was not because they did not like Jesus or because they did not agree with him. It was because he was determined to go to Jerusalem, and they misunderstood his mission. The Jews only worshipped in the temple, and the Samaritans worshipped everywhere. So they felt that Jesus would come into the town like a Pharisee, judging them for the way they worshipped God. If he's so fixed on Jerusalem, then he should just keep going. The whole thing kind of reminds me of a relationship that's getting near the end when one party can sense that the other one's getting ready to dump them, so they dump them first. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been preemptively dumped. I've done some preemptive dumping though myself, so. Turnabout's fair play, I tell you. James and John naturally overreacted, like someone who's been dumped seemingly for no reason. Their first response to the Samaritans taking a hard pass at Jesus' arrival was to bring down hellfire. But Jesus rebuked them. He scolded them for their behavior. This is not how the disciples of Jesus behave. This is not what I have taught you. What have I said of how to respond to those who will not receive you? Shake the dust from your sandals and move on. In verse 50 of this chapter, the verse just before the start of our passage today, Jesus told his disciples that whoever is not against you is for you. The Samaritans were not against Jesus, but their feelings were hurt. They misunderstood the missio dei, the mission of God. And and a misunderstanding or difference in, in interpretation is not something that is deserving of hellfire and damnation not from those who are true followers of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus and the disciples moved on to the next village, and it is in these next verses where Jesus encountered three different people who wanted to start following him on his way to Jerusalem. There's been much interpretation into Jesus' responses over the many centuries. A lot of people assume that Jesus is rebuking the people who speak to him or is angry when they ask him questions this is not the case again this whole section of Luke is an examine on what it means to follow Jesus all the way to crucifixion and beyond it is not Jesus telling people that they are not worthy it is him reminding them that they will have a hard road they will not have fame or fortune The first person that Jesus finds says that that they will follow Jesus wherever he goes. And Jesus responds with, I'm homeless. Just so you know, I'm homeless. This is not to shame people for not inviting the Lord into their house, but rather the Lord reminding people that he is on the move and he does not stay in the same place for too long. A second person says that he would also like to follow Jesus, but first must go and bury his father. Firstly, we need to understand the burial practices of the time. By the time the remains are actually buried, they'd been through a few different levels of decomposition. So it's unlikely that the man's father had recently passed away. Secondly, when Jesus tells the man to let the dead bury their own dead, he was speaking in the sense of being alive or dead in the spirit of the Lord. Those who had not yet awakened to the reality of God's power, grace, mercy, and love were considered dead in spirit. With Jesus, we have eternal life. Because the man was not dead in spirit, Jesus told him to continue on proclaiming the kingdom of God. The third person tells Jesus that they want to follow him. Oh, but wait, I need to say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, nope, you're either moving ahead or you're moving back. Once you've put your hand on the plow, you cannot turn around. The difficult piece of this passage is that there are bigger things happening than the people are seeing. Remember that Jerusalem is where prophets go to die. When the people ask to follow Jesus, they don't always know what they're asking. Later when James and John ask to be at Jesus' left and right, they don't fully understand what they ask because that means they would be crucified too. The things that Jesus requested of these people and the things he requests of us are not hard. There is nothing inherently difficult in Jesus' words. The difficulty and the complications of the requests come, come in when we place on them. When we forget our place in the body of Christ and our mission, and our place in the mission of God. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all of your mind, body, and soul are not hard requests. but we are full of excuses as to why we cannot love our neighbor and why we cannot love God with everything we have. When we look at the people around us every day and we decide that they are not worthy of our love or our understanding, we are forgetting our place. Vengeance and judgment are not ours, they are God's. When someone does not accept the words or work of our discipleship, we do not rain down hellfire, figuratively or literally. We are to shake the dust from our sandals and move on to the next place. Those who would embrace and be embraced by the radical love of God made known in Jesus and his cross must necessarily see that his love is contrary to all human conceptions of love. Everything—friendships, familial connections, piety, discipleship—all of it looks different when it is viewed through the eyes of God's sacrificial love. The love of God is turning the world upside down. This is more important than being proper, more important than maintaining social ties. Instead of having the comforts of home, you may be on the move, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ— Instead of doing what is expected in society and culture, you set it all aside to follow Christ all the way to the cross and beyond. Instead of smoothing over your decisions with your friends and your family, you leave them and let them be the ones to come to terms with your decision to follow Jesus Christ. Instead of relying on friends and family, you begin to rely on God. Love, forgiveness, and tolerance are all required of each and every one of us when we set aside our own ideas, put our hands on the plow, and go where we are called. The words of Jesus in this scripture pull us out of our comfort zone, and they rightly should. You should not hear these words and feel cozy. This scripture shows us what it means to dedicate our whole, whole selves to the gospel. It shows us what we have to be willing to give up in order to be true followers of Jesus Christ. What are we willing to give up for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to see someone else's ideas? Are we willing to be accepting of someone else's relationship with Jesus? What are the obstacles that you see in your own lives? What is keeping you from a full connection with Jesus? When we think of this scripture, we have to remember that where our heart is, there is our treasure also, and vice versa. Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? If it is not in Jesus Christ, then it's possible that you have some thinking to do. Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. Nothing was going to keep him from his mission from God. Not the Samaritans refusing to receive him through a misunderstanding. Not James and John completely missing the point of discipleship and wishing to rain hellfire. Not the people who needed to clear things up with their families before they could join the group. Nothing was going to keep Jesus from bringing the truth and salvation of the cross to these people who clearly misunderstood over and over and over again. Just as Jesus was determined for Jerusalem, so shall we be for the kingdom of God. No one and nothing should stand in our way on our own path to salvation. The actions and words of others have nothing to do with our own relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not let the actions of others cause you to stumble or cause you to stay separate from our Lord. And do not let your own ideas of discipleship give obstacles to others on their path to salvation. Jesus desires us to join him on this journey but we've got to get out of our own way. Amen.